to Second and Short, the Cheap Sheets Fantasy Football Podcast. Now, we've been away for a couple of weeks because Jason was off having fun, uh, you know, enjoying the, the good life. Uh, and I decided just to take a week off. Let's just relax. We'll get back into it. Let's just like enjoy football for a week. So we did. And we are back now and we're going to drop some major content. Now, if you missed us already, go check out TikTok. Jason gave us Thursday night preview. You can go check out his thoughts on that fantasy-wise. Our starts and sits are dropping today as well, fantasy-wise, for redraft. But let's get away from starts and sits. And Jason, I want to go, I just want to dive right in. Let's, let's cut some of these guys out of our life. Let's talk about players that we are ready to cut bait on, and you can lead it off because you've got some frustrations you need to get out of your, you know, out of your system. Oh, dude, uh, mainly, mainly I, I have to cut bait on who I took as my, and most notably, a lot of people took this guy's RB2 and, and their drafts this, this year, and that's Miles Sanders, who is not producing anything. Uh, and I think it's a, a combination of he just can't get going and that offense, but if you drafted him as your RB1 and you're, you're, you're frustrated, as I am, I, I drafted him as RB2, and I'm sitting here pounding my head against the wall, wondering when he's going to get going. You know, I understand a, a lot of times he does have those games where, you know, he's in a law. Eagles are throwing the ball because they're playing from behind. So you can't, but he's also a pass catching running back. That's why you draft him for those PPR points. And he is not producing him and game game. Well, are basically mirroring each other and he's actually getting outperformed in most instances. So I, I'm really, I'm really cutting bait and he is now a resident on my bench only in uh, behind a glass wall that says breaking case of emergency by weeks. See, here's the thing right now on in six games, he has zero touchdowns receiving or rushing. Uh, he's averaging about like 12 and a half touches per game, but there's a, that's an outlier because like week one, he had 19 touches week two, he had 14 and then week three he had five. Like it just, it's all over the place. He's produced one game over 11 fantasy points uh, this year. Um, it's just, you know, four of his six games have been less than 15 touches, which 15 touches for me receiving and rushing. is kind of like a benchmark of where I look at like an RB two plus. Yeah. Uh, he's currently the RB 31 right now. And to give you context, uh, he has currently scored in one of my leagues I'm looking at, he has scored 0.7 more fantasy points than Christian McCaffrey this year. That, that, that's where he's sitting at. Uh, he's been outscored by Alexander Madison, who has been a backup for half the season. Um, he's been outscored by David Montgomery, who hasn't played for two weeks. So that's where we're at right now. And don't drop him. Don't drop him. But we're going to see. I'm going to drop a TikTok on this on Friday. Uh, but I've seen a lot of people that are like, go trade for Miles Sanders because he's, he's very valuable right now and everything. We need to pump the brakes a little bit. He has now had like nine or 10 games over the past two seasons. So like 10 games out of 22 um, where he has had less than 15 touches. And that's a major issue, especially for a team that should doesn't have a lot of talent everywhere. 
No, and now we're just speaking from a redraft perspective. Now, Absolutely. if you're if you're in a dynasty league and you have a frustrated owner such as myself that owns Sanders, definitely go try to see what you can yes. get him on the cheap. Uh, but primarily, we're going to be talking redraft in in my home league, which do, does listen to this this podcast. Um, I'm actually shopping him around. I'm shopping him around in a package deal because there's some teams that do need running back help. Now, am I saying that Sanders is a bust this year? Not necessarily. Is he good depth? In that flex and break in case of emergency range currently. And, you know, he can turn it around. And once, you know, they're getting into a lighter schedule, he's going to maybe face snap at um, more favorable matchups than they face in the first six. But with uh, Hertz being a mobile quarterback, that cuts into a lot of production, especially around the goal line. He's going to he's going to vulture some touchdowns, uh, but I don't think Sanders has had any runs longer. I think it, I think last time I looked, his average average per carry was very minuscule. I think it was uh, like right I, around I, four yards. Yeah, his I think his longest yard of the season so far has been like I think he's had like one run at like 19 yards or like 20 yards, something like that. I think in week one he had like a 24-yard run. Yeah. He is a home run hitter. That's the thing. Like last year, he had like four runs of over like 50 yards. And that's huge. And there's this guy on TikTok, and he's always like, he gets mad at people that are like, if we take away the players, the things that players do, they're not as good. And it's because there's context in that. Like if Emmanuel Sanders breaks off an 80-yard touchdown and then ends the game with six carries for 95 yards, yeah, that touchdown had a big impact on why he did well. It's not going to translate week to week. You're talking about Hertz running the ball. Philly only averages 22 rushing plays a game. Hertz is going to take minimum eight per game. Yeah. Eight per game. And that leaves us down, we're already down to 14 carries left in the game to do it between Sanders and Gainwell. So that's just Which, right there is bad game script. And the, another thing to, to throw this out there, Gainwell and Sanders is almost mirror images of the same style of running back. So it's not like you can complement each other. They're almost identical. It's like mirror images. So when you plug them in the game, you can't really look at it as, okay, this is, this is what he brings to the table. This is what they bring the exact same attributes. And that's what's frustrating. Now, the second one, this one pains me, man. I got. I got to This one hurts. This hurts my heart, and and it's a wide receiver that is when I talk homers. You know, I got, I got to talk about the New York Football Giants and Kenny Galladay, who was a big signing for the Giants. Uh, had a lot of aspirations because he was coming. He was coming into a team that was lacking a true wide receiver one, and not only can they not stay healthy. Is he can't produce when he is healthy. And that pains me because, like I said, it's a homer, homer discussion, and he just can't get his, his feet going. He's uh, with the injuries and the lack of production. He's being upstaged by Tony, who's a rookie, who is only seeing time because of all the injuries that the Giants have had. And Sterling Shepard is, when, when he moved to the slot, 
is actually showing his skill set where he thrives. And Galladay is becoming an afterthought in that offense. So I have slid him all the way out of my starting lineups, and he's now sitting in that break of curse of emergency bye week filler, which is, is nice to have because you want that depth. I mean, having Kenny Galladay as a, a wide receiver three on your bench is nice when he's producing. He's currently uh, wide receiver 67 on the season, and that's with essentially two missed games. He did have three targets against Dallas uh, with no catches, though, but he's had two games with no points. He's seen at least, in games he's finished, he's seen at least five uh, targets per game, which is a, a nice benchmark because, really, you can get four or five catches. You can get about 50 yards. You're already in about nine to 10 points range without touchdowns. He is a guy that is... On the bottom of your roster, the very bottom, he is more so than Sanders, an emergency guy. But if we just go look at um, players that are, see if I can pull this up real quick, players that are playing better than him at his position. Um, everyone. We, well, everyone, but I'm just saying that are guys that I would be more inclined to pick up at this point. We're talking guys like Levesca Chenault. We're talking Darnell Mooney. Uh, we're talking potentially even McCall Hardman uh, that are more consistent at this point and have better upside and they're a little bit healthier. And until Kenny Galladay is healthy, has a good game, and then another good game, I can't trust him, uh, especially with the fact that Tony's stepping out now. And they have Sterling Shepard. Darius Slayton's supposed to be getting back healthy. As soon as Barkley's back, like, it's there's a, I, there's too many mouths to feed. I think potentially, uh, I think in redraft formats you might never start Kenny Galladay again. Uh, I'm right there with you. I mean, I definitely, I definitely agree. He needs to have at least two games that he produces. Uh, I'm not saying you know twenty plus point games. I'm talking the 9 to 12 range, to the, the get some traction moving in the right direction and training upward. But this is one of those things that will he even be the wide receiver one if he is healthy with the emergence of Tony, with Shepard, you know, getting his feet back. And like you said, Slayton and then Barkley, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense now, especially with the emergence of everybody. So. That's where I am with him. So if you do have uh, Galladay, uh, definitely start looking to shop him around, see what kind of value that your league mates are putting on him. Hopefully they don't listen to the podcast. If they do, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. If, if they do, you know, more power to them because, you know, we're here to give the insights that a lot of people shy away from. We don't we, – we talk to those players that – you know, are the middle of the road that can win you championships. We're not all about the superstars. So now let's go ahead and we're going to push the quarterback position to last because we never do. We always talk about it first. Let's talk about your tight end. Let's talk about Hunter Henry. Now, this is where we're going to disagree. So I'm going to give you the floor, but why are you cutting bait on Hunter Henry? I'm cutting bait because one of the expectations he had coming over from the Chargers, uh, People was drafting him and, you know, had talks that he was in that top five discussion because he was with Herbert. 
Now, moving on, and he went to that two tight end set, which the Pats are known for when they added Janu Smith. Um, you know, everybody was like, okay, you know, you're going to see basically the same system. You're going to see a reemergence of the Gronkowski-Hernandez era with the rookie quarterback because, you know, what does rookie quarterbacks like? They like their tight ends. They like their safety valves until they get comfortable. Hunter Henry is being shown up in that in that position because he's not producing to his level of expectations and that's why i'm saying uh, i'm saying that he is he is a more of a tight end two for me like a bye bye week filler or an injury you know an injury stash than an every week plug and play tight end that he was expected to come in as and a lot of people drafted him as so right now in one of my leagues, he is currently the tight end nine. Now there is some skewed uh, perspective in this because he has three consecutive weeks of touchdowns. Um, half his games, he's seen five or more targets. Half his games, he's seen less. There's no consistency. Uh, he, he's, he's happened to convert like this past week. He had like two targets. He converted one for a touchdown. In games that he doesn't score a touchdown, he's averaging less than nine fantasy points. So I see the argument there. Now, my argument back to that is that it seems like Mac Jones likes him in the red zone. There's no like stud standout. He's been fortunate enough to convert his, his, you know, his targets, but we say this a lot and everything and touchdowns are not something that you can rely on to get sustained. And if the target share isn't always there, it is going to be too inconsistent. Now, the only other way he benefits from this is that the tight end position I don't know what it is. seems to be the worst I've ever seen it in fantasy, at least in a redraft perspective. Like there are guys that are supposed to have good weeks that just don't. And then guys that out of nowhere, they don't see the Guzman that has like a 30 point game. It doesn't make any sense. And so, yes, just, just, just lower your expectations on Hunter Henry. He's not going to score a touchdown every week. And if he doesn't do that, he's probably going to get less than nine or 10 fantasy points because the target share is not there all the time it's too inconsistent which is the problem but he is a guy that i think has startability on really good matchups yeah uh, he is very matchup dependent but um I, I feel that there's other like you said tight ends very very inconsistent and hard to judge this year i mean you got uh you know travis kelsey you know is a plug and play set it and forget it type guy wallers had his ups and downs this year mm -hmm. you know and everybody you know me and you included was talking about waller this was waller's year to take over that tight end one position and it's it's sometimes he's there sometimes he vanishes uh and that's something and then you like you said um you got people emerging uh schultz and Dallas has like had a great start of the season. Um, and he's definitely showing out and Dak is liking him. And they're, they're actually throwing the, the hefty, uh, comparison of the next Jason Witten in Dallas. Um, so, I mean, the tight end position is very fluctuating, but I feel that, you know, with Hunter Henry, maybe it's just the, you know, being the rookie quarterback could can hit, hamper him. 
Uh, we've talked about that in the past uh, in the San Francisco with the George Kittle, Kittle before he got injured. Uh, when the Trey Lance uh, discussion started, we talked about, you know, how it would impact him as a tight end and that in that top tight end discussion. But this, I, I just, I'm just feeling it. I'm, I'm moving him down to that tight end two position rather than an every, every week starter. Fair. Now let's go ahead and switch over to quarterback, Jared Goff. Jared Goff is a player that um, you're cutting bait on, but I don't think it's cutting bait like the other guys where maybe plug and play, emergency only. I think Jared Goff is just stay away from 100%. Yes. Uh, he's had three yeah. weeks where he's scored less than 10 fantasy points at the quarterback position, which is huge. And the crazy thing is he's had a total of three turnovers in those three games. So it's not like he's having like four interception games. That's why he's losing his points. He's not able, he looks rattled back there. He doesn't look too sure of himself. He doesn't look good. Um, I talked about it on my downs. He's actually my down of the week as well. And I talked about it on my movers for this week. And he's 29th in QBR. He's 26 in uh, fantasy points among quarterback position or 25th. And um, he's also going to be my sit of the week too. Spoiler on that. Right, go ahead and talk about why you're done with him. I'm done with him because uh, just like you said, the confidence is not there. There is no, there's no um, swagger that he, he used to have when he was with the Rams. You know, there's no pocket presence. He, he's playing very scared. He's got happy feet in the pocket. He's overthrowing receivers. Um, even on his short and intermediate routes, he's not consistent. And, you know, granted, yeah, Detroit is Detroit. There's limited uh, receivers there, but you still have Swift coming out of the backfield. Hawkinson's a, a great tight end, a young tight end with great hands. You still have those options, and he's still not producing with them. My issue with him is I think he's just one of these quarterbacks that he was a product of the system. He was lucky to have the talent he did have around him. And, you know, which Stafford is definitely benefiting from. Uh, and I think that he was the epitome of product of the system. Now, I think that he is a rental in Detroit. I don't think that he might not even make it the season as a starter, uh, which would be really so. interesting. Um, which would be really interesting because he was a – everybody thought that this was going to be the franchise quarterback coming in. They was going to build around him. They did no, nothing to help him in the draft uh, receiver-wise, which with a deep receiver draft class. They did next to nothing to help him out and give him a weapon. But the weapons he does have that are up, that are up above that median of, you know, running back and tight end, he's not even producing with them. And like I said, the happy feet is the biggest issue I have with him. So I definitely think that you can cut him and find a much better quarterback on your waiver wire, even this deep into the young season. Yeah. And I, how I've always played this, the quarterback position is I am always okay to, I get my guy 
that I think is going to he's like he's like the 15th or 16th quarterback drafted in my family leagues normally like my, my host league that I'm talking about in redrafts and he's a guy that I expect that can have that wide receiver one potential like right now my quarterbacks on my roster are Sam Darnold and Carson Wentz just because I picked up Carson Wentz for this past week because he had a nice matchup against Houston um but otherwise like I've been I rock with just like one guy and that's just kind of how I go and you can stream your quarterback like in a week where Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins are all on by. You can go out and you can pick up Jameis Winston. You can go out and you can go get, I, I'm trying to think like, you can go get Carson Wentz potentially. I don't know if Teddy's, this is going to drop Thursday morning, but like Teddy, you, there are quarterbacks you can go get that will give you better things, like better points than Jared Goff is going to do against any team. Uh, the week one against San Francisco was an anomaly. It's a very rare random thing that's never going to repeat itself. Now, let's get some therapy. We kind of talked about guys we're ready to cut bait on. That's where we're at. If you guys have anybody you want to cut bait on that you're talking about, hit us down in the comments. Let us know down there. We'll respond to it, and we'll kind of talk about this as well. But let's get to our week six therapy session where we kind of talk about some overreactions, underreactions. I don't even know if that's the thing. Um, and just kind of the direction that... Players are going in each position. Go ahead and kick us off at quarterback, and let's you know let's start our therapy session. Uh, I'm going to start with the owner of the Chicago Bears, uh, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> who um, a lot of people are are like panicking because he's putting up, you know, the the QB twelve numbers when everybody expects him to be in that upper echelon. It's fine. He he's there. This weekend shows that he he's okay. He's getting his feedback. You know, you gotta learn. He had a tremendous uh, a tremendous media circus off season. Uh, there's some there's some was some animosity. You know, look at week one. Week one was a disaster for the Packers. Yes. Since week one, they've trend they're trending upwards each and every week. And what's that said? The coaching staff and Rodgers are getting on the same page finally. And with that, he is starting to produce his former MVP numbers. He's starting to get everybody involved. And he's telling Jordan Love that he also um, owns him as well, that he's just going to be holding the clipboard unless there's an injury. So, Rodgers is a plug-and-play quarterback. You don't have to you, – you set and forget. He's going to be okay. Do not panic. He's still going to produce the numbers you're used to seeing in previous years. Yeah, I think people are kind of worrying a little bit because, like, he only had 23 attempts against the Bears. And, like, they were winning that game, though. The Bears were trying to come back, but, like, you know, he had less than 200 yards. He's only broke 300 yards one time this season. And if anybody listening right now is like, well, no, well, of course we're going to play on right. Yeah, but uh, you say that. But like I just said, he's had one game over 300 yards. His completion percentage has been up and down. He's at two games under 60%, which is uncharacteristic. But he's not turning the ball over. In the past five weeks, if you take out that week one, like we always kind of do, 14 total touchdowns, one turnover. Fantastic play. And he's going to continue to produce, and I think he's always going to hit above that 20-point mark every week. No matter who he's playing, he gets Washington coming up soon. He has Arizona, but then he gets Kansas City, Seattle, and then Minnesota. And like he's going to drop points against these guys. So, yeah, 
relax. Aaron Rodgers is going to be just fine. He's probably going to finish the top eight or nine quarterback when this all is said and done. All right, let's move on to running back. Well, this is a big issue because we got a guy that was probably drafted two, three, four, somewhere in that range. Definitely top five. Definitely top five. Alvin Kamara, and he's currently sitting at running back 14. Granted, the Saints just had a bye, but um, still. Lead us into this. Yeah, and I think this is, like you said, he's a top five draft. In your draft, you're looking at him, especially in a PPR, half PPR format. He catches a lot of balls out of the back. You know, he, he's that staple that you want to build your team around. And a lot of people are starting to falter on him and get frustrated with, well, I don't understand why, you know, he was, he was overhyped. He's not producing. It's okay. They don't have their top wide receiver. Michael Thomas is not there. Jameis Winston is probably one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks you can find. He, he'll either light you up or he'll burn everything down. There's no, there's no middle ground with him. And, you know, they're not re- really relying on the run game. Like I said, they're coming off a of bye, so there's, he's got one less uh, game for us to judge. But people are actually talking about cutting bait on him because they drafted him so high and he was overhyped, and they don't believe they, they think that drafting was a mistake. And he, he's going to be fine. He is going to be fine. And people are getting duped. Like, don't a lot of I, all I see on social media and all I see on like TikTok and everything is like, go out and trade for these, these guys that were drafted high in the first round because they're underperforming or they're not doing whatever. And like, he's still scoring well. Um, but the problem is, he's only averaging three receptions per game. And he even had a game where he had no receptions at all. And that's an issue because we don't expect that from him. Like, we don't expect a, him to have 53 receptions on a season. He's got to be in the 70s or 80s. And so there's a little bit of panic. Do, do not trade him away. Do not fall for this. If somebody is like, hey, James Robinson is on fire. He's elite. That's the, you know, give me Kamara and somebody else. Don't, don't fall for it. <laughs> they're, they're just trying to, they're just trying to distract you with something shiny for something that isn't shiny. Alvin Kamara is still shiny. We, this is the overreaction of people that are in this place of panic mode. So they're getting rid of Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. Um, they're getting rid of Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. Relax. I mean, I just, I just stole Christian McCaffrey from somebody today because their running backs are all hurt. I gave them Cordell Patterson. This is in a dynasty league, mind you. I gave them Cordell Patterson, uh, um, Michael Carter Jr., and a late first round pick this year. And I got Christian McCaffrey for nothing, for nothing. And it's because people are panicking. Don't panic. Don't accept an offer that you shouldn't. And mind you, I'm not saying like, oh yeah, like I ripped this person. They sent the offer to me. I accepted. Simple as that. Now let's talk about some receivers that maybe, maybe we have been being too loyal to for too long. And that is Terry McLaurin. Granted, he's wide receiver 18, so not as much of a panic. But let's talk about him a little bit. But then we're going to talk about Allen Robbins. So go ahead and talk about Scary Terry. We're going to talk about him for a little bit. Yeah, 
important, uh, I think a lot of things with him coming into the season was the addition of uh, Fitzpatrick in Washington, who loves to sling the ball all over the court, has great arm strength that can get him down the field and one-on-one coverage and, you know, open everything up. When he went down, everybody panicked. Um, you know, you taper expectations, you know. He's going to produce. He's going to be a wide receiver one. Washington is trying to get their running game going. Gibson has not been fully healthy. They've not been able to get the running game going because Gibson's dealing with some some lingering issues but still playing through them. So teams are not keen on the run when they should. So they're going to the passing game, and Washington kind of leans on Scary Terry for that passing game. So teams are keen on that. So it's not a factor of he's not performing. It's teams know what Washington's going to do. They're game planning for it, and they're taking away one of their best weapons. That's not going to happen all season. Gibson's going to be healthy. They're, Logan Thomas is going to come back. You know, he's not out for the year. He was just he's out for a little while with his injury. He will be returning. So that's going to open up some things now. But with the Gibson hobbled with injury, Logan Thomas out. The the only person on that offense you can key toward, uh, key toward and plan for is McLaurin, and that's where you got to taper your expectations. Now, the let's play devil's advocate here because there are four of his six games this season he has scored less than eleven fantasy points, and I know that kind of scares people. And the games that he did score over that, he scored twenty eight and thirty in this league I'm in, um, but that was against the Giants, and the Falcons, so against poor competition, he's dominating. He might be one of those guys you kind of just leave on your bench for a little bit, just wait a bit. But it's not like it's because he's not good enough or they don't want him to get involved. This he he had 11 targets two weeks ago and he had eight targets last week. He just wasn't able to convert yards and, and receptions out of those things. But they're there. The targets are there. Um, he has a total of 32 targets over the past three weeks. Here's the reason why you're going to be excited for this, because when we hit our fantasy playoffs, depending on when your playoffs are, um, if they're week 14 or 15, let's just talk about his final five games, depending on where you go. He's got Dallas twice, Philly twice, and the Giants. He's going to win some people some championships this year, in my opinion. Now, let's get to the real big concern. And, you know, maybe we've got to stop defending Allen Robinson, who is currently the wide receiver 56, averaging about 8.4 points per game. What is going on here? Um, a lot. A lot is going on. Uh, Chicago's a dumpster fire of a team. For one, uh, that coaching staff is not very good. Two, you've got a quarter, quote unquote, quarterback controversy uh, where you don't know who you should get familiar with. It was, shall it be Dalton or Fields? And also, you just had your, your top running back go down with a injury that totally annihilates anything um, in the run game, run defense game. Just like we was talking about, Washington teams are keen on there. They know that they got to pass because they don't have a running game to really be scared up. My thing is, is I'm I'm a Allen Robinson truther. I, I like him. I took him. I, I 
took him and have praised him as, you know, a wide receiver too that you can plug in. He's failing, but it's not because of his athleticism and the gameplay. It's because of the uncertainty at quarterback and the lack of opportunities because of no running game. I think he's going to produce once you get some um, consistency at the quarterback position when Fields fully takes over and you don't have them saying, well, I don't know who the starter is. Fields will produce with Robinson. It may take a little bit, so be patient. Now, he is averaging six targets per game this season, but yeah, I mean, he's he's hit 10 points one time, and that's because he scored a touchdown. Um, he's just, he's he's busted more than he's boomed this, this year. 21 catches, 234 yards, one touchdown. Right now, he's, he's, he's been outscored by Zach Pascal and Van Jefferson. Just names for you right there. He is the type of guy that you need to go trade for because it has to get better because, in my opinion, skill set, he is one of the top 10 best receivers in the league. I think so. That's just me. I love the way he plays. I've, I've, I've been saying he's quarterback proof for so long. Please don't let me down now. Now, weird scenario, Zach Ertz gets traded from the Philadelphia Eagles to the Arizona Cardinals, and the Arizona Cardinals target the tight end about, I think it's like 29th in the league is among tight end targets, but they don't have that elite red zone threat until now. Yeah, and this benefited me a thousand percent one of my leagues because I actually had Goddard and Ertz because the guy traded me the package because I had no tight ends. He traded me the package for a late 2023 third-round pick. Both of them. I got both of them that cheap because he, 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 was, he was sold on you know, Ertz not being anything and Goddard being a bust. I, I gladly smashed except. Now I'm sitting with possibly one of the top offenses that just got an upgrade at tight ends and it's going to be a red zone threat. Now you got Goddard, who's no longer having to split the time with Ertz and look over his shoulder. He can actually live up to his potential. So I basically got two, and both of them are currently in um, the tight end 12 range. Both of them are in the top 12 tight ends right now, I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, 15, 16. They're just outside. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're right there, but it, it's going to, it, it's, it's trending up. Um, the only thing that I have with Ertz is a lot of scrambles that Murray does. And there's a lot of mouse feed. But uh, DeAndre Hopkins said it best. He doesn't have to produce. As long as they're winning, he's happy. That's a selfless thing coming from one of the top wide receivers in the game. So adding Ertz, who is a shorthand red zone target, a chain mover when you need him, is going to help this offense a lot. And I think this is where you can actually get a little bit excited to see what he, he can see in full potential with a quarterback 
that loves the tight end, that loves to open up and bring the, pull those linebackers up to get that middle of the field open and get him in the open field. And the, the benefit that we have to Ertz here is that um, when we say that the Cardinals are like 29th or 30th in like tight end targets, their tight end was Max Williams, who couldn't break the top three in Baltimore, a team that loves using tight ends. And the thing is that there's so many weapons here that he might not produce every week. However, there's so many weapons that there's not going to be, he's not ever going to be double covered. Never. In the red zone, he is going to be their best option as well. And I think that he has a good opportunity if he scores a touchdown. Anytime he scores a touchdown, he will be a top 10 tight end that week. Simple as that. If he doesn't score a touchdown, he'll sit between somewhere between 10 and 20. But that touchdown is going to jump him into tight end one territory. And he might see an uptake in those. He's still got it. We just all like Goddard in Philly. So that's why we're kind of saying Ertz is out. But he's still got it. He's still a good player. Now, let's end our show with some bold predictions. I'm going to let you go and go off. We're both talking about running backs this week. Uh, because, you know, we, we kind of started the, sh- the episode kind of bashing on a running back really hard. And we're going to see another more content of Miles Sanders later because everybody on social media is saying go trade for him and I'm going to argue against it. But let's talk about your bold prediction to start out with. You have a running back that you think is going to do very, very well this week. Yeah, and it's, and it's a running back that I didn't love. Uh, and I've said some bad things on this show about uh, that I'm just not sold on him being being a true uh, I think he fell in the the stigma of Alabama running backs, you know, are supposed to be great because of their college level play. They don't transition well to the pros, except for Derrick Henry, who is a monster in himself. We've seen that this weekend. But I think Josh Jacobs is going to be a top five running back this week and put up two plus touchdowns. That's yeah, cool. he's he's currently predict he's um he's currently the running back 29. He's projected to be the 10th best running back this week. Here's the thing. Over the past four weeks, Philly has allowed five rushing touchdowns. These are teams Dallas, Kansas City, Tampa Bay. Uh, they even they didn't allow a rush touchdown to Carolina um from uh from Chuba Hubbard, but they did still allow over 100 yards rushing. Jacob's going to have a fantastic week. He's, he's a guy that needs to be started everywhere. Uh, top five, I think, I think it's possible, especially if he gets two touchdowns, for sure. Because I think, I think the issue we have here is that Kenyon Drake saw a lot of involvement last week. So that's where it can kind of push this. And this is what makes your prediction bold because he's going to escape, you know, scrape up those touchdowns instead of Drake. And I think it's possible, especially with this, you know, this, I've been hearing Derek Carr, you know, so I've been hearing MVP chants and talks and everything. I don't know about that, but uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, it's a bold prediction could happen. The touchdowns are going to probably be there. And I mean, this Raiders team is, they're trying to, they're trying to hold out of this division lead that they currently are tied, uh, tied for right now. Now um, I also know the running back prediction. My running back is like predicted somewhere around like, 20 or something like that, but I think that'll change. Uh, it's J.D. McKissick. He's projected nine fantasy points this week. 
but I don't think Antonio Gibson's going to get a really play much. And if he sits out, the projection will change. But I think J.D. McKissick is going to be a top eight running back versus Green Bay this week. And if all goes to plan and you're listening to us, you're going to have two guys that are going to be top 10 running backs for you this week. Uh, I just think he's going to get a lot of receptions against the Green Bay team. I think they're going to be losing that game. And that's the benefit right there. Open field for J.D. McKissick. And what's great about McKissick, you might be able to find him on your waiver wire right now. A lot of He's not getting a lot of love in a lot of leagues. Uh, I actually added him as we was doing the show. I've actually added him in two leagues because he was sitting there on the waiver wire. So I'm buying into your hype, man. Yeah, he's uh, he's only rostered in like 54% of leagues right now. So if you can get him, I mean, Antonio Gibson's hurt. We don't know what's going to happen there. Scary Terry, like we talked about earlier, is not consistent enough um, yet. But we do, I mean, I think Green Bay is going to be smashing Washington in this game. So that's where we're at. And that's going to do it for us here on Second and Short and this week's podcast of The Cheap Seats. Be sure to click the link down below, subscribe, like, follow us on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. Content is going to be flying to the roof now. Be ready for it. Be on the lookout. Um, we're going to have our picks for the week coming up pretty soon. We're going to have our Sunday preview that, you know, Jason always drops. And like I said, our start sits are dropping on TikTok today as well. As always, thank you guys for listening and good luck in your matchups. Unless you're in Dynasty and you're rebuilding, then good luck at losing. 